Welcome to the River Fellowship Podcast. At River Fellowship, we desire to experience God, exalt Christ, embrace community, and engage the world. This week, Lead Pastor Daryl Anderson starts a new series called The Daniel Plan with part one, Think About What You Think About. Daniel incorporates several principles into his life that help his resolve to not defile himself. These principles can help our resolve as well. To maintain our resolve, we must think about what we think about. If you'd like to learn more about River Fellowship in Amarillo, Texas, go to rfamarillo.org. I have in my hand a huge, chocolatey, delicious, moist, incredibly tasty-looking piece of chocolate cake. So what are you thinking about right now when you look at this? Yeah. Some of you are thinking, man, that looks good. That looks delicious. I love chocolate cake. I'm going to give me some of that. I hope Daryl's planning on sharing that sometime during this message. Others of you are thinking, yeah, it does look good, but I wonder how many calories it's got. How many grams of sugar does that thing have? I'm really trying to watch what I eat. I'm trying to take care of my diet. That looks good, but I'm going to pass because I want to watch what I'm eating. Some of you may be saying, yeah, it does look delicious. I'm on a diet. I know I shouldn't eat it. It's bad for me, but I'm going to eat it anyway. (laughs) Now, maybe cake's not your thing. Maybe this is not a temptation to you at all. It is for me. That's why I picked this. may not be for you. Think of something different. But the question is, when you see something like this, what are you thinking about? Are you even aware of what you're thinking about? This morning, for the next few weeks, we're going to do a a mini-series entitled The Daniel Plan. We're going to look at Daniel, and we're going to look at the story of Daniel. We're going to look in the book of Daniel. And some of you know some of Daniel's story already. Probably the most familiar part is his stay in the lion's den. But what we're going to see here is that uh, Daniel incorporated some principles into his life that enabled him to be successful in what God had called him to be. It enabled him to be used by God to his full potential. And so we're going to look at some of these principles that Daniel incorporated in his life to be sure that we can incorporate and that we are incorporating those same principles into our life so God can use us to our fullest potential and to glorify him. So let's look here at uh, the beginning to get some context. Daniel chapter one, verse one. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. And these he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasury house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites. Verse 6, among these were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. 
Daniel's story for us and in scripture picks up right here. This is when we're introduced to him. When Nebuchadnezzar overthrows the king of Judah, besieges Jerusalem and takes some of the articles of the temple of God and defiles them and places them in the temple of his own God. Now the people that he overtook, some of them were killed. Uh, Some of them would have stayed in that area and become servants and they would work the land, etc., under the Babylonian rule. But he brought some of these people into exile with him. And of some of these people, he brought certain of the, the finest Israelite men into his area, into his temple, into his rule in Babylonia so they could be servants for him. Daniel is one of those people. Now, it's, to be honest, a little difficult for me to fully identify with Daniel. And here's why. When you look back in verse 3, the king ordered Aspenes, chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites. Daniel's one of these. From the royal family, the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. So here's Daniel. He's from nobility. He's a young man. He's great looking. He's well built. He's this physical specimen. He's extremely intelligent. He's smart. He catches on to things really, really quickly. He has this great aptitude. So he's got these skills and these aptitudes and these qualities and these characteristics that honestly I have a little bit trouble identifying with. On top of that, he rose to high command. He rose to a high place of leadership. He got the ear and the favor of kings, of four different kings, actually. Of Nebuchadnezzar, who's the king that actually brought them into captivity. Of Belshazzar, who was the king, if you remember the story of the writing, the handwriting on the wall, that was that king that Daniel interprets. Then King Darius, who's the king that actually had him thrown into the lion's den, not because he wanted to, but because he had to, based on a decree he made. And then King Cyrus, who's the king of Persia, after the Babylonian kingdom is overthrown and it's divided. So he has the ear of all four of these kings. What we see later in the text is that Daniel rises to the top. Daniel is the cream of the crop. Daniel is the best of the best. Daniel is the goat. (laughs) Greatest of all time, for those of you that don't understand that acronym. But he didn't become the goat by accident. It happened because of these principles that he incorporates into his life, how he kept his heart toward God and the choices that he made. Now, his story could have turned out completely differently because with all the good that was taking place, you have to remember, he was a captive. He was a prisoner. He was treated well, but he was still a prisoner. And he had to leave his home He had to leave his family. He was made to serve an ungodly God in an ungodly kingdom. So he could have allowed these feelings and thoughts of anger and bitterness and resentment and fear and depression to consume him. But he doesn't. He could have turned his heart away from God and blamed God for allowing him to be in this situation, but he doesn't. 
And he does it because of some principles that he practiced. So Daniel's experiences and attributes may be different than mine. They may be different than yours. But he's a great example of what God wants to do and how God will use somebody who is totally committed to serving him. Now, the foundation of these principles that we're going to walk through over the next few weeks is found in verse 8. In, in fact, the entire series is really grounded and based on this statement in verse 8. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. He asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. So Daniel says, I'm resolved not to defile myself with royal food and wine. The real statement is more succinct. His real statement is that Daniel resolved not to defile himself. This resolve is the foundation of Daniel's story and his success. It's the foundation of all of these principles that we're going to talk about here over the next couple of weeks. Resolved here is really the combination of three different Hebrew words. One word means to uh, have relationship, to have intimacy. It's based on relationship. The second word means the, the, the seed of thought and decision, uh, the heart, the inner being, that innermost part of us where we make our decisions. And the third means to set it or to place it. Firmly, We might say it's set in stone or it's written in ink. It can't be changed. It's a combination of all of those words. The word defile uh, means to stain. It means to become unclean, if you will. So he chose not to make himself unclean. Now, this would have some connotation in the Old Testament context where there were certain requirements and restrictions, things that you could do that would cause a person to be clean or unclean. But it really has a deeper connotation than that. What he's really talking about here is a desire to honor God with his body, with his heart, with his life, with his words, with everything. So really, when, Dan, when the passage says Daniel resolved not to defile himself, we could say it this way. That Daniel made a determined, unwavering decision and commitment not to let anything damage his relationship with God. He won't do anything that would damage his relationship with God. Then we see in this statement that he would not defile himself with the royal food and wine. Now that's a little bit peripheral because the statement basically is, I'm not going to defile myself, period. But what we see here is that the resolve was first tested with the food and wine. This was the first arena, the first area that we see that Daniel's resolve is going to be tested, and it's with the royal food and wine. Now, part of this would, would imply the, the, the diet. In other words, the food that would have been offered would be the, the fattiest, the richest, the sugariest, the worst possible food you can eat. Now, it's great food, but it's the worst possible food for you. That would be represented by what he's being offered. So part of it is a dietary issue that he's addressing. 
but it also involves a, a deeper spiritual connotation because typically what would take place in these banquets with the royal food would, would be a lot of revelry and a lot of drunkenness and a lot of ungodliness and just a lot of party atmosphere. So it really talks about self-indulgence. So part of the aspect here is he didn't want to defile himself with his body, what he brought into his body, but the other part is just this whole scene of ungodliness that he's saying, I don't want to be a part of that. We won't address the dietary part. We might some other time in some other series. But what we're addressing in this series is a, a desire that we could say, I resolve not to defile myself. I resolve not to do anything that will damage my relationship with God. So the goal of the series is to help either bring us to that place or to strengthen us in that place as we seek to incorporate some of these principles. So this morning, I wanna just look at the first principle, the very first principle to help us resolve not to defile ourselves. Here it is. Think about what you think about. Think about that for a minute. Think about what you think about. We started by showing this cake. Some of you might have been thinking, man, I love cake, that's great cake, I'm gonna give me some of that cake. Some of you may have been thinking, no, nope, I don't need that cake, so I'm gonna resist it. Some of you were thinking, I shouldn't eat it, but I'm gonna eat it. My question for you, though, is, were you even aware of what you were thinking? The idea for us here is that what we think and how we think is extremely important. And it impacts our life in dramatic ways. Therefore, it's very important that we think about what we think about. It says here, Daniel resolved not to defile himself. Now, part of that was a commitment for his body. But really, part of this dynamic is he thought about how he would live. He was not only committed to what he brought into his body, but he was also resolved to what he brought into his mind and to his thought life, what he would think, because a lot of things that we do start in the mind. There's a very insightful verse in chapter 10, verse 12. Uh, it's, it's packed in one of the visions that Daniel has. And the man in the vision is saying this to Daniel. He's saying this about Daniel, but it uh, reveals an aspect about Daniel here. And 10.12 says, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. In other words, it is revealed that early on in Daniel's life, he set his mind. He began to think about what he would think about. He set his mind and he guarded his mind in regard to what he would think about. Now remember, Daniel's a captive. He's a prisoner. He's left his home. He's left his family. He's serving an ungodly king in an ungodly kingdom. It would be very, very easy for him to focus and think about all the negative things in his life. He's a prisoner. I'm, I'm lonely. I'm being made to do things I don't want to do. And that could have led to 
fear and anger and depression, et cetera. He very easily could have thought every negative thing about God. God, you don't love me. You don't care about me. You're here to harm. And he could have run all of these thoughts in his mind. If he would have done that, his story would be very different. But he didn't do that. He has somehow been able to control those thoughts. The truth is, what we think will dictate the trajectory of our life. Because what we think will become what we believe. What we believe will become what we do. And those actions that we do will develop into a habit and into a lifestyle. So if I'm spending all my time thinking about ungodly, negative, self-defeating, self-destructive thoughts, that is going to play out in self-defeating, ungodly lifestyle and habits. But also, if I can think about positive, godly thoughts and fill my mind with that, that's going to play itself out in positive, godly attributes. We see the trajectory of Daniel's life, and it was upward. It was a life full of victory and blessing. It didn't come by accident. It came because some of these principles, one of which he was committed to think about what he thinks about. Here's the key for Daniel, and it's a key for us too. Daniel's relationship with God was his very top priority. Daniel's relationship with God was the most important thing in his life. God had Daniel's heart. And that's what God wants from you first and foremost. God wants your heart. That's why he sent his son Jesus Christ for you. He very easily could have just mandated, everyone's going to follow me. We have no choice in the matter. You don't have to give me anything. I'm just going to make you obey. He didn't do that. Why? He wants our heart. He wants us to choose to love him and to follow him. And he had Daniel's heart. And because he had Daniel's heart, he made a very conscious decision. He resolved not to defile himself. And it began here in his thought life in his mind, in everything that he would think. He developed this tremendous mindset. What we see in this relay here is that victory begins in the heart. But victory in the heart is maintained through victory in the mind. I may can give God my heart, but if I don't give him my mind, sooner or later my mind's gonna be full of so much stuff he may no longer have my heart. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 says this. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. In other words, as believers, as followers in Christ, the spiritual weapons that we have to fight with, they're not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. For some today, we've touched on it some already. For some today, your very next step needs to be to demolish some strongholds. The enemy has been able to set up some strongholds in your mind. It's what we called stinking thinking. The enemy has set up shop and he has, begin, has begun to manipulate your thoughts 
He's pointing you to all the wrong things. And so now you're thinking the wrong way. You're thinking the wrong thoughts. You're thinking about the wrong stuff. And those thoughts are destructive and they're inaccurate. A major spiritual battleground is your mind. And if the enemy can get your mind, if he can get your thoughts, then he can defeat you. He can overpower you. He can even cause your heart to be pulled away as well. But in Christ, in Christ, when we give our life to Christ, when we're in Christ, because of the power of the Spirit of God that lives in us, and because of the power of the Word of God that should live in us, that we should be feeding ourselves with, with the power of the Spirit and the Word, we have the ability to do two things, Scripture says. One of those things is to demolish strongholds. That word demolish means to pull down, to take down, to rip down, to overthrow. And we have the power to take our thoughts captive. That word captive means to gain control over. It means to take prisoner, literally. In other words, we're going to take away the freedom. We're not going to let those ungodly, worldly destructive thoughts run free in our mind. We're going to take them captive. But here's the deal. The only way we can demolish strongholds is by taking our thoughts captive. That's how the strongholds begin to be demolished because we're not letting them run free in our mind anymore. We are taking hold of them. We are taking control of them. We are thinking about what we think about. And we are only going to allow the godly thoughts. We're going to take the ungodly thoughts captive. We're not going to let them run amok. So as we take those thoughts captive, we begin to demolish the strongholds that Satan has set up in our mind. That's why Philippians 4 says, Think on things that are lovely and pure and excellent and trustworthy. That's why Romans 12 says that we are to renew our mind. In other words, get all that ungodly, self-destructive thoughts out of there and input godly, positive thoughts through the Word of God and only think about what God tells about who you are. That's why Romans 13 says, do not think about how to gratify your sinful nature. Don't think about how to do that. Let's go back to my cake here. Maybe some of you are thinking, that does look good. I'm not supposed to eat it. It's bad for me. I know I'm not going to eat it, but it really looks good. So I'm going to eat it. And I'm going to figure out a way to get it. And I know Daryl's going to put that down after the sermon. And it's going to be placed over there after the service. So what I'm going to do, while everybody's talking and leaving, I'm going to walk up there. And I'm going to stick it under my jacket. I'm going to stick it in my purse. I'm going to run into the kitchen or the bathroom. I'm going to eat it. And so all you're thinking about is how I can get a piece of this cake. That's what Romans 13 is saying. Don't do. Don't think about how I can gratify 
my sinful nature. Don't let your mind be filled with all this stuff of I know that's ungodly. I know that's wrong. I know it's self-defeating. I know it's self-destructive, but I just keep thinking about it and I'm gonna keep thinking about how I can gratify all that stuff. He says, don't think like that. Don't let those thoughts run amok in your mind. Take your thoughts captive. Take captive those sinful thoughts. Don't give them space. Don't give Satan mind time. And take captive those self-defeating thoughts, those self-destructive thoughts. The I can't and I'm not and I never will kinds of thoughts. Some experts say that if you hear something enough, you will begin to believe that and act on it. The same is true in your mind because it may not be an outside voice telling you things. It may be your inside mind telling you things that over and over and over you continue to think about all this ungodly self-destructive thought. When you do that long enough, you will begin to believe that and act on it and it will destroy your life and power and freedom in Christ. But the opposite is true. If you will put in your mind enough God's word, what God says about you, and continue to think on all of that in your mind, you will begin to believe what God says about you and act on that. And it will lead you to a life of freedom and power. The series is entitled The Daniel Plan. That's actually a diet. Some of you may be familiar with the diet called The Daniel Plan. And it's all about what food you should eat or shouldn't eat what you should bring into your body and what you should not bring into your body. The same is true in our mind. We should be very concerned about what we ingest into our mind and be just as careful about what we allow in our mind as we do in our body because Satan wants to defeat you. He wants to separate you from the life and the power and the freedom that Christ offers. And first, he's gonna attack your heart. But if he can't get your heart, he's gonna attack your mind. Because if he can get your mind, he may get your heart back too. In Daniel's circumstance, he was in a negative circumstance. Remember, he's a captive, he's a prisoner, he's an ungodly king with an ungodly world. He doesn't have his family. He's, he's got some negative things taking place in his life. He could have let that negative thought affect his relationship with the Babylonians, but he didn't because we see he has some good rapport with Babylonians, including the kings. He could have let his circumstance affect his thinking about God, but he doesn't do that because he has a great relationship with God that we'll see as we go through the series. Daniel did not let his current circumstance dictate what he thought about and here's the truth for us. Your current circumstance or situation should have no bearing on what you think or how you think. You have a choice. You can choose to think on the negative or you can choose to think on the positive. You can choose to think on the problem or you can choose to think on the problem solver. You can choose to think about how strong your temptation is that you face 
or you can choose to think about how powerful the God is that you serve. You can choose to think about what you don't have, or you can choose to think about what you do have. You can choose to think about how people have treated you, or you can choose to think about how you're going to treat people. You can choose to think about the doors that God is closing, or you can choose to think about the doors that God's opening. You can choose to worry about what might happen, or you can choose to dream about what could happen. You have a choice. You have the ability to think about what you think about. When Denise and I have people come over to the house, whether it's family or friends or whoever, there are two things that we feel an obligation to. One, we feel obligated to entertain them. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, song and dance or stuff, but just hanging out, talking with them, being with them, you know. We also feel an obligation to accommodate them. Uh, if they're going to spend the night, we want to be sure their bed's ready. They have towels for, in the bathroom. They say, oh, we've got food and drink in the refrigerator. We're we sure they're accommodated. Why do we want to entertain them and accommodate them? It's because we want them to feel at home. We want them to stay and feel at home and be there for a while. That's great with guests. It's awful with ungodly thoughts. When it comes to the ungodly thoughts and the negative thoughts and the self-defeating thoughts and the self-destructive thoughts, you do not want them to be at home in your mind. You do not want them to set up shop. You do not entertain those thoughts. You do not accommodate those thoughts. So when those thoughts come to the front door of your mind, just slam the door and say, no, thank you. And the only thoughts you let in are the godly thoughts. Think about what you think about. And the foundation of that is because I resolve not to do anything to damage my relationship with God. I want to invite you to bow your heads. Our response time is going to be a little bit different than normal. In just a moment, the Worship team's just gonna sing a song over you. I'm gonna ask you to stay seated. I'm gonna ask you to spend time with God, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you, to minister to you, and I want you to deal with these three or four questions. Does God have your heart? Is your relationship with God the most important thing life does God have your mind are you resolved not to defile yourself are there any strongholds in your life and in your mind I want you as if it's just you and God to have a conversation this morning and allow the spirit of God to speak to you and minister to you in regard to some of these questions and just whatever happens, happens. We do have some prayer team members available that will be in the front and the back. I'm going to be here on the front row. If there's a time where you want to come talk to someone during this moment, please do so. You have that freedom. But you may want to stay in your spot. But we're not going to ask you to sing or stand. We just want you to have an opportunity to let the Spirit minister to you.
Spirit, may you have your way in us this morning. Thanks for listening. We truly hope that you are blessed and encouraged. If you'd like to learn more about River Fellowship in Amarillo, Texas, go to rfamarillo.org.